New hot and iced sunrise batch coffee from Dunkin'. A bright and balanced full-bodied blend brewed so you can get summering from sunrise to sunset. And even after that, because that's when you can show off those string lights you hung in the backyard. Or rehung. Enjoy a medium, hotter iced sunrise batch coffee for $2. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply. Adventures. 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 All right. Episode in Dadland. I always want to put episode number, but there is no episode number. Maybe we'll get back to track. It's like the fifth time we did it. And welcome back to another episode of Adventures in Dadland. My name is Colfax. And I'm Gerbil. And uh, we are fathers, both working from home, both uh, trying to raise kids during the pandemic, a recession, and everything else going on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Happy mid-October, everybody. Uh, we have ahead. made it to level seven of Jumanji. God, so level dang. ten. Level you know, is it level seven or level ten? Uh, I don't know, dude. I you know what's so funny? Think about like back in the day when people were uh, baking bread, or you know they were like uh, they were baking bread, or they were talking about you know hobbies they were going to do. I'm gonna get in shape, and think about how weird that sounds now. Hmm. I mean, remember everybody's like, I got a sourdough starter back in March. It seems oh, like I see, ago, I see. Right? Dude, I'm but now. I tell you what, I'm still on the health kick. Oh, that's good, man. Not to like dangle it in front of you or anything or show off. That's not why I meant to do it. I just, I wanted to talk about it because so my dog ran away from me while I was on my health kick stuff. And it took all my neighbors to come together in like a little cohesive unit to trap her and i was really really mad all right but you got it right yeah i got her so i guess that could be my good thing of the week you got your dog i got my dog <laughs> all, right, all, right, all right my good thing for the week is that uh Germal is experimenting with twitch and he's streaming us like podcasting right now and i just saw, noticed that like I, you're playing with your laptop like he's framed himself perfectly in this so he's like in the middle and he looks all good <laughs> and i'm at a desk and like it's just like my forehead and like my eyes it look like i'm creeping on the side of it so thanks dog you're welcome bro uh <laughs> this week we're going to talk about social media we we both watched the social dilemma and with the election coming up and i i think even bigger than that, I think it's it's an important conversation that people should be having. If you haven't seen the social dilemma, I mean, you should go watch it, right? Do you agree yeah. with that? Yeah, like I, people should watch it. Here's the thing, and we'll get into the details on this, is that for what you and I do, we know that this is going on. I mean, it's not a surprise. And if it is a surprise in people in our position, you know, across the U.S., like, I didn't know this was a thing then, you know, they're crazy. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, there's a lot of things. Maybe we should start the phone you're carrying. And we've talked about this a bunch of times, you and I. We have. Well, on the podcast. But your phone tracks you all the time. Fact. 
And what you do on the internet is, I mean, yes, you can set up like a VPN or all this, but like generally speaking, what you do on the internet with your phone is trackable material. And a lot of online marketers and social networks and these type of services use the data that you give them from your phone as a business model. They use it to sell advertising. Is that a good neutral way to put it? It's a good way to say it. And, and I think there's a lot of misinformation about not only how the data is tracked or what it's used to. I think that's, I think that's a key component. No, I think so too. I, I think we trade, let's bring it back to like, I mean, we always bring it back to radio, but that's the basis. So with radio, you're trading your time when you sit through a commercial break to have free entertainment on the radio. They call it the lowest barrier of entry. Right? Uh, yeah, you're not paying for it. Like it's the lowest barrier of entry because like every car has got a radio in it. You know what I mean? Like so all you have to do is do it. And you dial in your favorite number and you listen. And they have a staff and they have music and they throw events and they do whatever they have to do. And in return, you listen to the commercials that they sell on the radio. That's how the, the thing works. And that's that's a model that worked with TV and even for a long time with the internet. That was the, the thing. Like you went onto Facebook in the early days and you were scrolling through and you're seeing cat videos and pictures of grandma and like the, the guy from high school that you were friends with 20 years ago, five years ago. And then every once in a while, an ad would pop up in the feed. And that was the trade. I'm trading seeing somebody's advertising for using this service for free. That's the agreement. And that's age old. TV did it back in the day. Like it's not a new formula. And no. from that, people say, everybody that's clever, we've all heard it and we've all said it. If you're getting something for free, you're not the consumer, you're the product. And a lot of neckbeards are throwing out there. And that's <laughs> did you say neckbeards? Yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> I should the, I should work on my neckbeard game. No, don't do that. The thing is, it's now. I would say in the last five years, become a little bit more nuanced than that. That's it's that's an oversimplification of of it. If the, you're not the if you're not paying for it, then you're the product. I think that's an oversimplification of the. It, it's not that equation doesn't hold up as much anymore because it's much deeper than that. Let well, me give you an example. Go ahead, okay. please. No, no, no. I, I was just going to jump in and talk about the data part, which is probably yeah. where you're going. Yeah, yeah, let me do this and then you because you're more vast, you're more versed in that. And we're gonna get this back to dads and kids momentarily, but we want to set some context for this. Uh, my favorite thing to use when I'm talking about this with somebody that doesn't know anything about like how you're being tracked or how you're being targeted or how your data is being used is the weather app. This is the one I use all the time. Because like the weather company, like you know, I don't want to call them out by name, but like superweather.com or whatever, the one that supplies <laughs> the weather forecast to your phone. They're not making money because you open up their app and you see like what time the sun sets and then tomorrow it's going to be 70. <laughs> their business model is that that weather app is running all the time on your phone. I don't know that the, I'm guessing this, but I bet you. No, no, you're right. Conservatively, 80% of people have their weather app allow location 100% of the time. And I it's bet you auto, that's it's automatic. It's automatic when you open your phone in your box. You set that yeah. up and then it just goes. So you'd have to go in and like purpose purposely like like disable off. location for your your weather app, which would make the weather app useless because you would have to like approve it and every time. So what that is is that's following you. The weather app is containing data on where you go with your phone. 
at the base minimum. Where you go, like like physically in the world, where you go, which is amazing for a marketer because mm-hmm. we could deliver an ad in for somebody in 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 Westminster and somebody in Greenwood Village, and they could be different and they could be applicable to that side of town. And that's something that like traditional media, like radio and television was in newspapers was never able to do. Like you can't get that precise without digital marketing. And you can't do that without that type of data being out there in the world. And I think that inherently isn't bad because you're trading. This is where the product versus the people come in. In my opinion, you're making a trade. You're letting them follow you around all the time. And the trade-off is you'll get up-to-date weather information for wherever you are all the time. Or when you get in your car and you plug your phone into the dashboard, it'll say, 10 minutes to your kid's school and then five minutes to work. Like all the services are tracking you and you get convenience out of it. Like your phone knows where you are all the time. So when you open Facebook and you try and do a post, it's all like, Oh, you're at this place, you know, like, and you're, it's a convenience for you. So it's not like a one-sided street. Like the location stuff is used to enhance the service, but it's also used for advertising targeting. And I think I think where the social dilemma comes in is that our their their argument, even though they, I don't think they say this outright until the very end, but are you getting a service from the trackability that social networks are taking from? Because all they're doing is trying to grab your time. That's it, and they're not really giving you anything back because it's just a drug. It's a drug addiction of like whatever the. It not morphine, but you know what I'm talking about. The like dopamine, the, the dopamine in your in your brain, because they're programming every single social service to recapture you. And I loved how they explained it in, in yeah. the video. Well, that's the problem. The scales are off now. It's not like a one for one. The weather app uses my location so that it can deliver me the weather. One for one trade right there. Facebook uses my data so that it can suggest friends or find out where I am. But you're right. Like the scales are off now because that the data is not enough. You know, they want not only they're competing, they're competing for your attention and your time because they want all the data. So they're not only competing against like other apps, you know, like Facebook would rather have you be there than on Twitter, but they're also competing against Facebook. Once you on Facebook and not watching TV. You know, they want you to spend as many hours a day on Facebook because then they're building anonymous, but they're building, which we should talk about, but they're building like a data set about you. And the more data they have, the better the set, you know, like the more data they have for you, the more they know about you, the better that they are to be able to target you with advertisers. And we're going to take like we can talk about it a minute, but let's just leave out like, you know, democracy destruction and election tampering and all that out of the equation for right now. But on, on, a, on a, it's the important funding. No, I know, but, but on, the, <laughs> on the high level, they're building data sets for you so they can target you with advertising and they can understand your behaviors and have you use the app more, which is why it has new friend suggestions or like the, they talked about in the social dilemma, like the ability to tag somebody else in a photo. How revolutionary that is. So if I'm hooked into Facebook and I'm a, I don't stop and then I tag you in a photo, I'm essentially putting out a fish hook to pull you into it, you know? 
And by the way, the other night I tried to throw six fish hooks into you and God. you didn't respond to any of them. No, what because the you know what? No, because I turn my phone. I do look, I put my phone on, do not disturb now. That's a, listen, that's a whole different sidebar. Gerbil messaged me <laughs> twice on Instagram, twice on, on TikTok, once on text. Like how, I don't know how many, an Xbox live message, like you tried to use every single thing on a personal he, level. By like the that, way, just so you know. He ignored me too. I did. <laughs> I was hanging out with my wife, dude. I'm trying to like stay present in the moment. So it's wild. Is it nefarious? The thing is, I don't know if they intended it to be that way. And a lot of them talk about a double-edged sword because some of it's cool. Like think about all the positive things about like even Facebook, which is the most demonized of all the, all the social networks. Like, you know, it's my parents McDonald's of it. That's why it's the demon. Yeah. My parents get to, I have relatives in Germany who I get to see once every five years when somebody travels. Right. But they, you know, they were in town last summer and they saw my kids and immediately recognized them because they see them on Facebook and they're able to connect with them on their life because of Facebook. And that's incredibly cool and incredibly powerful. You know, like that's oh, yeah. an okay thing. Um, I think there's dangers in it too, though, because we, so now we're talking about socially, I have to credit him, my friend Dave, that I've known since we were Cub Scouts together. He had this theory, and this was like in the infancy of social, this is hating on social networking before it was cool. (laughs) But I think his theory is, and I agree with it, that social media has broken the way that we have friendship and relationships with people in a way that's unnatural. Mm-hmm. So I think about like when I post a picture of my kids on Facebook, like there's people that like it, right? That I went to high school with. Am I friends with them? No. Have I talked to them in 20 years? No. I don't know these people. So I, in essence, these are people that if we didn't have social media would be nothing but a memory. They'd be gone to me already. Like I would have... Oh, yeah. They'd be like, oh, remember that guy from high school? But now they're like still kind of present in my life through that. And there's something weird about that because you evolve as a person. Like I'm not the same person I was when I was 18 or 28, you know, like I'm, uh, you know, I'm a different person every single time, but social media enables me to hold on to the people from all those eras of my life all the way down, which is cool because you get to see what Doug from high school did, but also (laughs) like, are you still friends with Doug from high school or should you have released him at this point? Probably. You know? Even if they're successful or a bum, you know, I'm saying not that so everybody kind of, falls within that, that, you know, it's not that extreme every single time, you know, there's always somebody who's a bum and always somebody who's super successful, but then the successful people you reach out to, they're like, they're the ones on the other end being like, mm, yeah, maybe, I should I, maybe I should have dropped gerbil a little bit earlier than this. Yeah. But I'm saying, <laughs> yeah, dude, like it's, it's, so it's weird and it's unnatural. And this is the other point they talk about, the human capacity to be able, I was laughing with Gerbil just on the phone like a half hour ago. I was like, yo, like I only have four friends in the world and you're one of them. Like you're 25% of my social network. Like, uh, but you don't take it, but you look at, I was looking at my personal Facebook page, you know, and how many friends do you have? Hundreds of friends on there. People have thousands of friends on there. Like, are, are you equipped to manage that scale of a relationship in your life? So, you know, it's funny, this is going to, this is going to veer us off just for a second, but I actually like how Xbox has changed the friendship model. Yeah. Because when you follow somebody and they don't follow you back, you're just a follower of theirs. 
but then when you follow them back, then you become friends. And either way, you know that they're they're in your circle of influence some way. Like you can still see who's following you and you know monitor what they're doing and connect with them and stuff. But then your friends are the ones that are closer. For some reason, that distinction to me makes the the world seem a little bit better. Like I feel like that's what Facebook should be doing. Like you have a lot of followers because they're interested in maybe seeing some of the stuff you put out there. But then you're true friends when you really really connect it back. You know, Facebook's tried it. You can follow people without friending them, I think. And you can unfollow people that you're friends with. So huh. the distinction's there. Like, if you have that one friend who keeps posting pictures of their pony collection on Facebook and it's every other post, <laughs> you can go and unfollow them but still remain friends. So their post won't show up in your feed, but you'll still be you'll friends still be with connected. them. Yeah. I don't know if that's even good, though. So that's one of the things... Let's talk about elections and then let's talk about kids. How's that sound? I was just laying out the battle plan here because I want to get a good flow of this conversation. Yeah, no, real quick. I want to jump in on the no, data, please, 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 the data please. section. So yeah. um, part, of, part of what the social network opens people's eyes for, and I feel like I've already had that awakening and so have you. So to us, when we were watching this, it was a different, it was a different documentary, mockumentary, something or other than what most people will go through when they go through it. And if you're yes. not in the job of analytics and you're not in the job of advertising and you're not in the job of creating these profiles and looking for people and trying to segment out people to say, who's your current client base and who do you want to go after? Which is what our, that's where, that's where both uh, Colfax and I kind of work in that, that realm. It might surprise you to see the data collection and who's using it and how and how is it available and what's going on with it. And I think one of the most important parts of that documentary was talking about how it's not just some person, you know, it's not, guy, it's not some guy named Joe or, you know, Carol behind the machine, pulling levers, monitoring what you're doing behind your camera or looking at what you're, you know, what you're looking at or how you're reacting or what interests you or what rabbit hole you're going to go down. It is rooms and rooms and rooms of machines that are set up as AI. And their only direction is make whoever controls those AI and the computer more money. The company behind it is using that as a powerful tool. And AI is perfect because it doesn't sleep. You don't need to pay it. You just need to maintain it and it goes. And it automatically will make different uh, interesting choices based on your social media habits, what you tend to click, how you're searching, where you're at. Like there's all these algorithms that are being changed all the time. Google changes theirs daily. I mean, I don't even know if the Google people that are like behind those controllers for the AI know half the time what the AI is doing. Well, it's too complex. Yeah. Perfect little, it was a perfect little example within that movie that explained like how that worked. And that's the thing that surprised me the most. In fact, what, one of the, my favorite guys in there was that guy with the dreads. Yeah. <laughs> He's like the tinfoil hat of all of them, but I yeah. love, I loved his take and I loved what he was doing and, and some of the information he was giving and stuff like that. Um, I don't know. I think, I think it's important to watch. No, Definitely think- for dads. Yeah, so it's that's where we're going to go with it. Adventures in Deadland. Uh, we're talking about this uh, social dilemma. It's a documentary on on social media that's on Netflix now, and we both 
as two people that deal with marketing and with social media and with data, it, I highly recommend that you would check this out. Um, let's talk about bad actors and let's talk about kids. So yes. they talk about uh, affecting. So they had a big section there. Miramar came up. They had a like a violent coup attempt. They had like a revolution. They had like violence in the streets in Miramar. And a lot of people believe, I mean, it's, it stems back to Facebook. It does. People were buying influence on Facebook to create social unrest. And I think there was a combo. It was a combo. They, they miss, I think they misrepresented that specific conflict because not only were people buying influence and trying to change how something was going on there, it yeah. was also a lot of extremist groups throwing out really big fake information. I had actually heard of this before I watched that documentary, funny enough, on a YouTube channel last yeah. week tonight. He was talking about how Facebook was behind that. And part of the part of the thought was that there was only three or four people that they had hired to look for misinformation when the entire country of Myanmar was on Facebook and all this information was flying around of like extremist groups wanting to like, like exterminate a certain part of the population, which was, I think um, I'm totally going to mess this up, but it was like, it was, it, it was a religious group there and yeah. they had all of this misinformation about them pretty much like how Nazis and Jewish people were you know, Nazis were going after Jewish people in Germany. It was the yeah. same thing, only in Myanmar. And there was Facebook, which like the algorithm was just sending all this information out. People were creating that content. And then there was like three Facebook employees, like trying to read everything, being like, maybe this is misinformation. I don't know. I don't even read the language. Yeah. <laughs> which well, was that's, crazy. That's, it's twofold problem. One, so this algorithm stuff is, is powerful in a good way. Because let me use an example of us. Let's say Gerbil and I decided to advertise a little podcast, Adventures in Dadland Tour Dads. And we could use Facebook. And then we could use like digital advertising using your phone. And we could find dads between 25 and 54. Podcast that live, intenders. That, that like podcasts that live in the Denver metro area. Uh, we could even go south that metro area if we wanted, but we could we would probably do a little broader through the whole thing. We could add in there that maybe you know, Gerbil was on TCL and I was on the Fox and BPI. We could look at people that listen to rock on the radio to try and capture one of them. Uh, we could use my Facebook page and say you know this type of person create a lookalike audience of the people that like my Facebook page yeah. and target people like that and. It's not nefarious because if, if it targeted you, you may be interested in listening to this podcast. You're like, whatever happened to Gerbil on the radio? I wonder where he is. Oh, look, here's an ad with him on there. Yeah. And I think that's incredibly cool and incredibly powerful. Like, that's great marketing. Like, we could send ads for a relative. Listen, the two of us to hit the city, a couple hundred bucks, and we could reach a lot of these people out there. A lot of people that are probably listening to this, right? Like, it yeah. would be... And it's not that complicated. This is pretty elementary level stuff that we're doing right here. Lots and of that's people really, can sell that to you. I, I'm sorry? Lots of people can sell that to you. That's yeah, the dude, thing. lots of people can sell it to you. And you could, you know, it, it's not a bad thing inherently because it's going to deliver something that's interesting to you. You know, like that's mm -hmm. cool. On the other side, a bad actor 
somebody from different countries trying to disrupt the democracy. Somebody is trying to spread something about an ethnic group in a country. They have access to the same analytic sets that we would. And then they could just say, I want to mirror this group of, you know, conspiracy theorists. Yeah. That lean a certain way that look like this person who followed this information. Yeah. And for very little money comparatively to other ways in which to market, they could get their misinformation out. Yeah. And the problem, this all comes to the problem, and then we pivot to the kids. The <laughs> it's all about the is, kids, man. Well, yeah, we kind of get back to our point of view, but the problem and Zuckerberg, I, I just read that they're going to put Zuckerberg and the person from Twitter, Jack, and somebody from Google wants to get in front of the Senate again. The problem is the social media companies, they're not utilities, so they're not regulated. They don't have rules. It's a business, you know? And I, to some extent, they don't accept responsibility for the other side of the sword. Oh yeah, the good, no. the good, and the they want to they want to control it. Yeah, yeah. The good side of the sword is is my my relatives get to see my kids from Germany and Gerbil and I can advertise our podcast to people that are would like it. But the other side is really dark and really bad. And the companies, they Facebook even released a statement countering the the documentary, the social dilemma, and you know they didn't apologize. I feel like these big companies, it hurts their bottom line if they accept responsibility for the bad side. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They do. So they're not going to do it. But like that bad side has to be addressed because that bad side is super fucked up, man. Like, you know, it is. I mean, it's so I don't know what's going to happen with that. And that's the point. Like, like we're trusting a company whose motive is to make money off of our data mm -hmm. to protect us from these things. And that's flawed, dude. That's flawed. In it a is. bad way, you know, and that's super scary. And I don't want to be tinfoil hat or the sky is falling, but that's that's the crux of it, dude. Like it, you're asking the the the, the wolf to watch the chicken coop, man, and that's yep. not awesome, man. Like that's a weird place. And I think our lawmakers, and I'm not going to be partisan about this, but most of them are 80, and they don't understand this. Mm -hmm. I mean, look, the, the way they use data, unless you're dealing with it every day, like, like you or I or people are way more technically savvy than us, your average person doesn't know about the level of, of, of data and the, the specific amount of data, you know, mm -hmm. the granularity. The gla is that a word? Granularity? granularity. Ooh, but I how, like that. How That's granular it. the data can be that they have on you. So they don't really know. The technology moves faster than the legislators do. You know what oh, I mean? So with how slow legislation comes across there and people are trying to go against it. Like think of think of who we just named. Yeah. Facebook, Twitter, Google's on the list, right? All yeah. of these Microsoft, all every single one of these companies is gathering information. Dude, I had when I brought up the social dilemma. Uh -huh. uh, you'll think this is funny on my computer to watch it. Netflix was asking me if they could send me notifications <laughs> yeah. for updated information, which when you yeah. watch, when you watch, or if you've watched it, you'll know that that's one of the biggest things about uh, the information is like, it's, it's just this, you know, how are you going to get addicted to it and how yeah. can they get you addicted to it? 
And when they're talking about, you know, we just made three cents for this one impression or whatever. Funny enough, that's actually pretty high. That's a high, that's a high dollar amount for one impression for one person. Yeah. I, I mean, just to, just to give you like a, a base rate, I buy it at like eight to $10, a thousand impressions. So, yeah. I mean, I'm doing microtransactions in real time using AI to do it for well, well less than that on a, yeah. on a large scale. It's, I don't know. You hope that somewhere inside those big companies, and you see it every once in a while blip up on Twitter, ironically, you know, like mm-hmm. an employee of one of these companies are like, hey, wait a second. Like, I don't love what this is becoming right now. Right. And the problem is we have to trust the companies to look out for us. And sometimes looking out for us is not going to be in their financial best interest. No. So it's a problem, dude. And well, I that's, that's why government is important. And one of the biggest problems, I, I almost think that that's a part of the reason, and they didn't think about this in the social dilemma, because there, there's so much, like a lot of the time, like right at the beginning, they're talking about, I don't know which is the biggest, worst problem. They're yeah. going after the big stuff in that documentary. Part of why Zucks doesn't want anybody you know, giving him regulation is because it's going to hurt his pocketbook. Yeah. But in the long run, too... If he can sow disinformation to where then politics and political parties are opposed, not talking, not interacting, it's, it even slows down you know, um, how legislation goes through on a, on a bigger scale, on a grander scale. Like, look at, like right now, this is going to be time sensitive, so it's probably not going to be worthwhile in a couple months, but we are right at the tail end, hopefully of our, um, not only our election season, but COVID is, you know, running rampant, like all this big stuff is going on, but like the legislators in the house and the Senate are not talking about a bill that can give people money so that they can survive through these crazy times, which is just like, no matter what end of the spectrum you're on, 2020 has been a bad year for a lot of people. <laughs> like you can't yeah. tell me that it's a good year and you don't want money in your pocket from there's legislators very, passing something. Yeah, there's very few people that have or like 2020 we've been killing it in 2020, right? Bro, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But sure. then but then the House and the Senate can't come together on a bill to give Americans money. Like you would think that that's like the easiest thing to pass. Yeah. <laughs> they can't do it. Yeah. Zucks wants that because if that's taking forever, legislation that, you know, is watching him is going to take decades. And by that time, he'll have already come up with something new that nobody else is, you know, five years from now, they're going to have something that limits the data. And he's already going to be five, 10 steps ahead on whatever it is that they're going to be doing. Think about TikTok, how much we love TikTok. But like, yeah, they can't stop it. Like these, these generation Z and youngers, they love TikTok, dude. And I love TikTok. I'm and addicted. it won't stop. Like you're right. The social, they have engineers and people that are way savvier about the technology than our lawmakers will ever be. So they're always going to be two steps ahead. You know, it's yeah. crazy. Let's talk about kids for a second. Wait, you want to jump in with stuff? I can see it in your face though. Go ahead. I know we're talking about how terrible social networks are. Are, are you going to plug a TikTok? Because it's going to be weird. We should do it at the end. <laughs> oh, 
All right, we'll we'll talk about no, it at the wait. end. Let's take because here's right. the big let's, let's take, here's wait, the let's, big announcement. Let's take a let wait wait. I'm gonna, let me set you up real quick. Okay. Let's take a levity. <laughs> let's take a levity break. I know we're being pretty serious. If if we didn't think it was important, we wouldn't dedicate this time on this podcast to it. We we're gonna talk about this, all this that we just talked about wrapped into your kids. But first, let's lighten the mood by about three degrees. Ten degrees. Ten degrees. Fifty degrees. Fifty degrees. Fifty degrees in the right light direction. Okay. We have taken a big step. We have created social channels just to help promote our podcast. You see the irony that's happening (laughs) right now? (laughs) Hey, I would say that we are adding to the levity that's out there, the good feelings. And doing good things. You're right. We're we're going for the good, baby. And we have taken the weird step of not calling it anything close to what our podcast is named. Yes. You can find us on many places as German Sausage King LLC. TikTok, you got Twitter going. We have an email, German Sausage King LLC at Gmail. You can email us. You can find us on Twitter at Sausage King LLC. (laughs) I mean... It is a beautiful day. I'm so excited about that. And it's also funny that it would be during this time when we're talking about how terrible <laughs> social media is. And, yeah, um, you know, we, we care about the kids. And that's part of, part of all of this, why we wanted to talk about the seriousness. Are you going back down serious? Because I was going to say, I was going to pimp out the German Sausage King LLC again. Just do it. One more time. Look it up. Go for it. German German Sausage King LLC on Twitter at Sausage King LLC. Yeah, dude. And see, and we we promise to have nice photos of like German sausage whenever we can. Dude, the profile is of that German fedora. I don't remember what the hat is called, but like German hunting hat. Yeah, dude. I tried to find a picture of like a leader hose in, but I couldn't without somebody in them. So like, I'm going to have to wait. <laughs> on that. Funny enough, one of the first things I did when I came over to the NBC group was create an Oktoberfest of some random guy drinking a beer with a monkey in the beer because that's, mm-hmm. you know, the logo. And um, I was looking for that to repost. So I couldn't find it anywhere. Dang it, man. So Better organization. Ah, so great. So um, one of the, oh, go ahead, please. I was just going to say like, the, the serious bit about the social dilemma is that, you know, think of the powerful tools, gam- like gambling, right? Gambling is under a microscope. Well, not really anymore, honestly. Like, have you seen all of the things like for it's gambling a free for all? Alone? It is yeah, crazy. It's a free for all, dude. Yeah. Um, but those things trigger dopamine in your brains and they get straight up adults down on their knees, shoveling money and time towards them, right? Think of what that effect is on a two-year-old. My daughter lately, has, like she has morphed into half person, half phone with mm-hmm. YouTube kids. Like one time I left the house and she was looking like this. I came back and she looked exactly the same way. I was gone for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, it's screen time, man. It's, it's scary. It's scary on a bunch of levels. For the really little ones, it's the screen time because we're teaching them habits on how to use tablets and phones and computers all the time. And they and don't if, know. Like, no, they, they don't have know. no defense against it. None. Look, 
adults can't figure it out. If you think a little impressionable kid's going to be able to figure it out, you're wrong. <laughs> because the same tactics, notifications, the same strategies that the app makers and the social media people and the phone makers are using to get your attention, to capture your attention as an adult, are also being used on your kids. Mm-hmm. And that's, I don't see a whole way of justifying that out. They talk about the minimum age of being, you know, on these social networks is 13. And my daughter is 11 this week. Happy birthday. Hey, happy birthday. Like, we are, already talked about it. Like, I, I'm, we're not, as an adult, as a grown-ass adult, not able to manage having 600 friends on a Instagram account. We're just not mm-hmm. wired that way. Mm-hmm. What do you think it's doing to, like, a 13-year-old, dude? Like it's a whole different, it's, it's a whole different, like, like, like whole different mojo about that. Like they're not, think about how hard it was to have friends when you were like a teenager or a preteen or like a young teen and now amplify that because it's on the phone and you've got hundreds of them instead of like four friends, like what type of weird and you're not seek, you're seeking approval because you want to wear your new shoes to school and your friends to like it. But now, like, you take a picture of it and put it on Instagram. And, like, are you farming for likes there? Like, it, it sets up some, some real weird paradigms that, again, I don't think adults are uh, supposed to deal with. And I can't imagine, like, that, that, that kids are, are able to cope with this, man, you know? Oh, yeah. And when you look at it, like, think of, I think we can put it in terms of non-social that makes sense too. Look at all the children that were extremely famous movie stars or had started out as kid stars in uh, Disney, you know, movies. Almost every single one of them has gone through the hero's journey and hit some sort of rock bottom. Like, uh, do you remember, okay, The Mighty Ducks? You remember that movie? Yes. yes. I think that's going to be a movie that our listeners will know pretty well. The goalie for that, what was his name? Uh, I don't know, but this is tragic. I'll look it up while you're talking. Go talk. But, but, but the goalie uh-huh. was not even that successful of a movie star. I mean, he was in that, and there was like four different versions of The Mighty Ducks that he was in. Uh-huh. So, I mean, he made hay. I mean... The guy looks better now, but was like addicted to crack and meth and broke and homeless and traveling the streets and doing all sorts of weird stuff until he cleaned up his act. Yeah. And that is not an uncommon story for somebody who went through a Disney movie or who got famous. Sean Weiss was his name, incidentally. Sean 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 Weiss. Yeah. And like, I mean, when you look up this guy, he is... Road hard, put away wet, man. Like it yeah. was so devastating when I saw that because he was somebody that like I grew up watching that movie a whole bunch. And I forget his name in the movie, but like, you know, it it was it was like Chunk. You know what I mean? Like Chunk uh from the Goonies. It was Greg Goldberg in the Mighty Ducks movies. Goldberg, that's what it was. Goldberg. Yeah. <laughs> Goldberg. Where's and, the Go and, ahead. It, and it's yeah, dude, the guy. The main, the main guy from, uh, from the Mighty Ducks, even I think, or maybe, maybe it was a different hockey movie. But he turned into a real weird dude, like all sorts of drugs and stuff too. Like, yeah, all of these stars, man. 
you could look up every single one of them and they almost every single one have something. And just think of like people who are extremely famous when they're kids. It's the same thing. They have this weird, they grew up in it and it messed them up to an insane degree. And who won out? Disney did. Well, here's the thing. Movies. <laughs> here's the thing. Cause we're talking about childhood actors, but like you think about a kid who grew this generation, the Z generation mm-hmm. that young grew up on social media. Maybe they jumped into the 13, their peaks and valleys, their highs and lows maybe won't be as big as Goldberg, mm-hmm. but they're still growing up in a very public, a much more public environment than we did because they're mm-hmm. on social media. How many times have you said, thank God we didn't have Facebook when I was in high school, I'd be in huge trouble. Mm-hmm. I've said it a bazillion times. Oh yeah. But that, that luxury is not there anymore because all these guys had a Facebook through high school. Like it's being documented and it's being analyzed and it's being profited on like all these kids lives. And that's super weird because again, adults aren't able to cope with it. The companies aren't taking responsibility for it. Like you, I worry that like, is a 13 year old kid going to be able to handle this in a good way? And I don't think the answer is yes. And I, I mean, I mean, there's going to be the ups and downs on it because I think like what you said before, there's some good. I just think that the balance of power to the negative is too high because even, even my, my kids, like they're not on social yet and I'm going to be, you know, fighting tooth and nail for that. And I already decided that before I watched this, by the way, but like I, my, my son was talking about how he wants to jump on somebody's Minecraft server to like go play with some random kids and you know who knows who's going to be in there no nobody knows that's the thing like you don't want that one-to-one interaction with your kid to complete strangers playing minecraft or even like yeah you don't want you don't want that anything for the kids my son told they at the beginning of the year they they had like a questionnaire what they want to do when they grow up my son said he wanted to be a youtuber which is great but that's awesome yeah but it's also stressful bro i He's not going to turn into Goldberg, so we'll we'll help that. No, nah, he's going to be fine because we're going to be savvy about it. But I, I think yeah. the takeaway is like it's another element that you're going to have to be involved in your kid's life because they're not – every kid's going to be different. Like my daughter wants to start an Etsy store. She told me to sell things, and that's – Dude, that's awesome. That's, that's great. That's great, you know? But like – and she is pretty artsy, so she has a little camera. Like would she have a great Instagram account? Probably. Are we ready to open that up, that Pandora's box? I don't think so, man. Probably I don't think not. it's time yet. Yeah. So it's, it's a weird thing. Yeah. Cause there are, listen, you and I live, I live on the internet 75% of my day. I'm on the internet and there's certainly, I don't want to paint the picture of doom and gloom because there's certainly positives, but I think it's important that everybody has an awareness, particularly when it comes to the kids of uh, where you're going with that. And I think that was the net, the negative thing that I had about that documentary is like, now I know they're talking about the heavy hitting social media grinding AI and the people. But the thing that I noticed between every single one of the, you know, the ex execs mm-hmm. and like the knowledgeable parties and whatever is like every single one of them didn't, they don't believe in humans as like their own thing. Now I know that they framed it in a way to where it's like, if computers were guns, they, you had a, you have a bazooka against your brain and how are you going to win against that? Yeah. But like what what's powerful to me and what's always stuck with me, I've always thought about this for some reason. I don't know why. But like 
you know, you look at Terminator and movies of AI, and and this is just going to make it so that the 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 story makes more sense. Is like it's human against AI or human against computer. But what people don't really understand is like it's not that way. It's not going to be that way because humans, even if AI turns on humans, if artificial mm-hmm. intelligence all of a sudden creates drones and then we have Terminator one, the thing that people discount right away is that we don't just go off and create another AI and then it's human plus AI against these drones that are created by computers. There's always going to be that edge. So right now it seems bleak. Right now it probably seems terrible. You're going to watch that documentary and all of a sudden you're going to go for the tinfoil hat, put little gummy stuff on your, you know, on your uh, computer lens and, you know, how many screens or, or like lenses do we have in our phones or whatever. But like, <laughs> we're going to be able to come together at some point and then stop the inevitable. I truly believe that. Because... That's just how humans have always done it. There's always been some huge, unsurmountable force. And at some breaking point, all of a sudden, it's like, okay, well, we can't be fighting over who's making more money because we're just going to be decimated. Like, I think climate change is a big enough issue that people will get behind it. I think, you know, social media and information is going to be at some point just so big that we have to do something to stop it. And then it'll be us coming together, coalescing around it, and then taking down whatever the powerful force is. That's good. You know what I took away from it? At the very minimum, I like it. There was a big, there was good grand ending. At the very minimum, you're going to watch this. You're going to think about this. And you're going to try and put your phone down more than what you have in your hand. But we need you, before you put your phone down, because you watch a scary documentary, we need you to subscribe to our podcast on the service that you're listening. <laughs> we're we're going to need, whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or on the Google or whatever app you're using, if you could subscribe to our podcast, you'll be alerted every time that we've uploaded a, a new episode. And that's important to us because it sends a shot of dopamine through Gerbil and I when we have a new subscriber. And basically, in a pandemic year, that's all I'm holding on to at this that's point. That's all so we have. That is every little ounce of things that we have. And like Help I said, you could find us at German Sausage King LLC yeah. on, on most of the socials. Go look that up. You could see now it feels weird. I don't even know what I, you can f- follow me on all the socials at Hey Colfax, <laughs> but not if you don't want to. Like, you just it's an option this week. Most weeks I, I implore you, but this week, like, if you, just, if you happen to be there, let me hook that up. Hey, it is what the, it's the tools that we have right now to spread the word and then try to take down the tools that we have. So let's do it. Let's do it all together. We're the imposter in, in the spaceship for sure. Uh, we appreciate <laughs> you listening next week. We'll do something much lighter. We haven't figured it out yet, but we'll do no, something. No, we have it. We have it written oh, down. Is it light though? I was going to pivot. I don't know what we're doing next week. What are we going to do next week? So, okay. So here's, here's a little thing that I, I wonder if you deal with, with your kids, my daughter, has this uh, thing that she does where she's extremely bossy. Like she yells at us, she cries, she'll do everything in her power to make sure she has the last decision. We call it her bots- bossy boots. Uh-huh. And we tell her to fake, like take off these fake bossy boots. And she actually like does a motion of taking off boots, even though she doesn't have. Them. And then she's it- like, no, I want them back on. And then she like starts putting on fake boots again. 
See, there it is. Your bossy children and Pavlovian responses to imaginary things next week on Adventures in Deadland. Hot and iced sunrise batch coffee from Dunkin'. A bright and balanced, full-bodied blend, brewed so you can get summering from sunrise to sunset. And even after that, because that's when you can show off those string lights you hung in the backyard. Or re-hung. Enjoy a medium, hotter iced sunrise batch coffee for $2. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply. New hot and iced sunrise batch coffee from Dunkin'. A bright and balanced, full-bodied blend, brewed so you can get summering from sunrise to sunset. And even after that, because that's when you can show off those string lights you hung in the backyard. Or re-hung. Enjoy a medium, hotter iced sunrise batch coffee for $2. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply.